أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وراه اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وتب علينا فإنك بنا راحم اللهم اللهم يا أرحم الراحمين اجعل هذا الاجتماع اجتماعا مرحوما واجعل تفرقنا من بعد تفرقا معصوما اللهم صل وسلم على حبيبنا ونبينا محمد في الأولين وفي الآخرين وفي الملأ الأعلى إلى يوم الدين صلاة تنجينا بها من الأهوال والآفات وترفع بها عنا القربات اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما إنك أنت العليم الحكيم We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We thank Allah azza wa jal for the infinite blessings that he's bestowed upon us and we send our peace and blessings on the greatest creation to ever walk the face of this earth, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in beneficial knowledge. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be reunited with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, and for him to be our shafi'ah, our intercessor on the day of judgment. Bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum. How's everybody doing? Well, alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah khairan for joining uh, uh, this beautiful morning, Sunday morning. Uh, typically, uh, we're on Saturdays, but because of uh, the protest, uh, we moved till Sunday. But inshallah, we'll be back Saturdays, bi'idhnillah, starting next week, bi'idhnillah ta'ala. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give our brothers and sisters in Gaza safety and security and be with them, inshallah, and uh, give them motivation and perseverance and continuously give them resilience. Uh, it is uh, not befitting for me to begin uh, a talk about and having a conversation and embarking on the journey of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam if we are not to remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering in the manner that they are suffering in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for them bi-idhnillahi ta'ala and a reminder for myself first and foremost to keep them in your dua every salah that you, that you pray, uh, inshaAllah. I am very, uh, very excited, alhamdulillah, to begin this journey with you all. Uh, the journey of the seerah, the prophetic, uh, the prophetic biography of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is a beautiful journey. And just like Rasulullah sallallahu or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says and he describes in the Quran, and he talks about a people, he says, أَمْ لَمْ يَعْرِفُوا رَسُولَهُمْ فَهُمْ لَهُ مُنْكِرُونَ that because of the fact that people neglected to know about their messenger, right, they became uh, in a state of denial and they became very lost in this world. The more that you know about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the happier that you will be in this world. The more content, the more pleased that you will be in this world. And the less that you know about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the sooner that that will lead to your destruction, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. When we study the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we are uh, studying, and I want you to really understand that we are studying the greatest creation, the greatest khalq to ever walk the face of this earth. Uh, the greatest human being, the greatest man to ever walk the face of this earth, the chosen one by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are not studying the life of any random person. Right, any, just any individual. This is an individual uh, who succeeded in every, in all aspects of life. 
be it from family, be it uh, from a leadership perspective, be it from you know, uh, you know, being a teacher or a role model or a mentor uh, in all aspects of life. And subhanAllah, when we study an individual's life, anybody, you'll come to see that they excel in one certain part of their life, but in others, uh, you know, they fall short. Uh, but Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was perfect in every single aspect of his life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I really want you to to, to understand that. Uh, again, this is going to be an introduction uh, you know, to the seerah. We're not actually going to dive in today. But uh, I want to remind myself first and foremost of a couple beautiful hadith that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He says, أَقْرَبُكُمْ مِنِّي مَجْلِسًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَكْثَرُكُمْ عَلَيَّ الصَّلَاةً The closest ones to him وسلم, on the day of judgment are the ones who send the most peace and blessings upon him sallallahu alayhi wa so you're going to hear me mention Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi So get in the habit from now to say sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because the more that you allow yourself to utter uh, and, uh, peace and blessings upon him, the more that you will wire your brain to love him sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And we're going to talk about why it's important to love Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam later uh, in this conversation. He also says that sallallahu uh, that the one who sends peace and blessings upon him once, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies it tenfold. That Allah azza wa will multiply your peace and blessings. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is, you know, receives your salams. And by, via the angels. The angels go to Rasulullah sallallahu and they say, Ya Rasulullah, uh, this individual, Muhammad, Qais, Fatma, Sara, they give you your salams. Right? They give you your salams. And Rasulullah returns in response and he says, and give them my salams uh, as well. So you are getting the peace and blessings of Rasulullah just by you sending your peace and blessings upon him. Uh, so get in the, the habit of that ta'ala as well. A part of the tradition of our scholars, right, when we study any type of science, and specifically the seerah, uh, it is to give an introduction, right, as to what does that even mean and why do we even need to study the seerah. And this is important in all uh, sciences of Islam, that in order uh, for us to dive into the actual subject, we have to talk about what the importance is and the significance is for us to be able to even, uh, you know, uh, study it and why it's going to be beneficial for us. Because if we don't have an understanding or, you know, come to, you know, the realization of why this is important or why this is needed, we will have no uh, attachment or we will not begin to yearn to want to study the, the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So what does seerah mean? Seerah, um, and before I begin again, uh, sorry, I'm going to go off on a lot of tangents. I love tangents, by the way. Uh, this is not a means of... Uh, Yani, inshallah, this is going to be a beneficial, uh, a beneficial course, ta'ala. Um, but and we're going to talk about different ways Sira was taught and how it was studied. But inshallah, for you know, just uh, speaking for us in general, here we're going to inshallah try to take this uh, uh, a bit more serious and more in depth. This is not going to be your average weekend school Saturday halqa, you know. Competition. What was Rasulullah's name? Oh, good job! You get a ten dollars, you know, Dunkin' Donuts gift card. We're not saying Starbucks, just Dunkin' Donuts. 
um, you know, this is this is going to be taken seriously I would love for you guys to jot down notes, take down, um, you know, in your phone, bring a notebook, uh, whatever it is, so that way you can benefit. Because in the end, if I just sit here and entertain you, um, although I could be very entertaining, many, you know, all the time, uh, but that is not that is not the purpose. That is not the purpose. The purpose is for us to be able to extract lessons from the life of Rasulullah to allow it to benefit us and for that be in the ta'ala to uh, you know come to fruition in our lives how can we implement uh, his teaching sallallahu alaihi wasallam so again the scholars anytime that they began to talk about a science they started with the introduction so what does sira mean linguistically uh, sira means a path a particular direction that somebody takes um, it refers to individuals uh, to an individual's like, uh, you know, somebody, a path that they've taken or a path that they've walked, right? That's what linguistically sira means. Uh, that road that somebody or that individual has taken. Uh, now, it comes up in different contexts. For example, in s the story of uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Musa alayhi salam, he says, وَمَا تِلْكَ بِيَمِينِكَ يَا مُوسَى What's in your hand, O Musa? This is my staff, you know, I use it to keep my sheep in the herd and, and I have other uses for, for the staff. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does he say? Throw it. And when he threw it, the snake became rapidly moving alive this rapid serpent that was, you know, slithering and moving around. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, قَالَ خُذْهَا وَلَا تَخَفْ سَنُعِيدُهَا سِيرَتَهَا الْأُولَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word seera here. He says, سَنُعِيدُهَا سِيرَتَهَا الْأُولَى That we're going to return it to, uh, you know, its first form, its first shape, the, the original shape that, that it was in. So it just doesn't mean like the way somebody lives, right? The path that they've taken or who they are. It doesn't mean, the seerah doesn't mean that, but it also uh, looks into the idea of how a person actually looks, physically, characteristics, how they act. How they act. That's all included. Seerah is all aspects of life, right? That is what the seerah means. It, is, it, it, it encompasses every aspect of life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically chose this word sirah here to, to, to tell you that the snake is no longer in its inanimate, inanimate object uh, it's, it's, uh, or that original form it was in, right? It became alive, okay? But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returned it to its original state. So that, that physical description here as well, that is, you know, part of the context of what the sirah is. In terms of a more technical um, term or technical terminology, the seerah means biography, right? And specifically, what are we talking about? A seerah and nabawiya, the prophetic biography, because you have different types of biographies even like that, and we're not going to get into too, too, too much of that. But we're talking about the prophetic biography here. So what does that include, or what does that encompass? Uh, and the seerah and nabawiya is described and defined by the scholars, and they say, majmu'ah, ما ورد لنا من وقائع عن حياة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وصفاته الخلقية والخلقية 
مضافا إليها غزواته وسراياه وظروف الزمان والمكان meaning that the seerah is everything that has been relayed to us from all of the occurrence of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam every aspect right anything and everything that occurred that's related to that's in regards to the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in direct connection to uh, Rasulullah sallallahu that is a part of his seerah sallallahu alaihi wasallam some of the scholars uh, they even go on to say from his days his day-to-day life how he was every single day that is that journey is a part of his seerah every day is a part of his seerah how he acted his characteristics his mannerisms how he looked his physical description sallallahu alaihi wasallam how he dealt with his family every occurrence that he had how he was uh, as a leader how he was in military how, uh, you know all of these things are are encompassed through uh, the seerah right uh, you know his expeditions his home life uh, all of these 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 things are included in the seerah okay so that is what seerah means now why do we study the seerah okay and we're going to go at this from you know uh, a bit more of a practical uh, you know perspective but also uh, some beneficial uh, you know points here that i'm going to give you guys ta'ala as to why we study the seerah Firstly, the, the, the study of the seerah goes hand in hand with the study of the Qur'an, right? The seerah was around from day one because the Qur'an was revealed to Rasulullah at certain parts in his life. Um, in order for us to understand the Qur'an, we have to understand the seerah. They go hand in hand, right? We all have, you know, uh, come across the seerah in our lives and it's been presented to us in, in different ways. Every individual has their own experience right now with the seerah. You've heard stories of the seerah. You've heard lectures, maybe khutab, different, you know, uh, things in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Maybe you have, uh, you remember Arabic school when the khattas used to yell at you and hit you with a ruler and say, why don't you study the seerah? Why don't you know the Prophet's kids' names, right? Everybody has some sort of, you know, uh, experience studying the seerah. And it's presented to us typically in one of two ways number one it's usually presented to us in a manner of just dates names places uh, very chronological right and although that's important it comes off a little dry right because we're just studying the facts okay that's 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 how we take the seerah uh, another form is that it's relayed in a story format, right, from a narrative perspective. And it's almost like, you know, a fairy tale. A long time ago, there lived a man, and he did this, and he went here, and this was his family, and this was his experiences, right? And, and, and it, it becomes a form of entertainment. That's all that, that it ends up, uh, you know, being. Uh, you know, ends up being that, you know, something happened to somebody that I have no connection with, a long time ago that has no relevance to me whatsoever, right? Usually the seerah is discussed or portrayed in either one of those two manners. And we need both of those because they both complement each other. But there is a third component that we're going to address and hopefully, inshallah, with the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, allow us to implement in our sessions. 
which is the practicality and the relevance of the seerah. The relevance and the practicality of the you know, endeavors and trials and tribulations that Rasulullah went through and faced uh, his journey, right? As we embark on this journey of the life of Rasulullah we are going to extract lessons of how this can implement, how I can implement this in my life. How does this relate to me? How is this an example or how can he be a role model وسلم, for, for me? Right, we need that, that uh, third, uh, third uh, component. Now what lessons can I take from this? That's, that's what you have to ask yourself every time that we discuss something of the, of the life of Rasulullah we have to look at that question. What lessons is it that I can extract from this? Again, and how can I implement this in, in my life? Now, we have a, a few points as to why we study the seerah. Okay, or benefits. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us. The seerah is a commandment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Ahzab, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِيهِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهُ كَثِيرًا That in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Verily, truly, in Rasulullah sallam There is a beautiful uh, role model for you as an individual to take You can take Rasulullah sallam as a role model for yourself Right, studying him and, and, and understanding him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for whoever cares, for whoever cares to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment, and whoever cares to live a life that's pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you care enough about yourself to want you know, good for you in this life and in the next, then you will understand truly that Rasulullah is the best role model for you to take in this, in this world. Now let's dissect this ayah a little bit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ the lamb here is for emphasis. Qad here is for emphasis as well. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts those together to those two, it is to emphasize something. Not it's not just one uh, you know emphasizing, it's two. Two uh, you know terms here or or letters um, to allow us to to really understand how important it is to take Rasulullah as as a role model. Kana, grammatically we can argue that this, uh, you know, this doesn't need to be in the ayah, right? The, the meaning is already understood without this, uh, this, uh, this word. But the scholars say that this gives, kana gives the meaning of istimrar or continuous, uh, continuance, uh, uh, you know, consistent, uh, consistency. That consistently, without any exception, for all times, there is exclusively for you, in the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the ultimate example, the perfect role model. You will always find an example in Rasulullah through every scenario in life. Every, every situation that you face. You will look back to Rasulullah in his life and find relevance and how and find you know similarities and understand that Rasulullah went through this 
and he faced it and he overcame it. Now how can I use him sallallahu alayhi wasallam as a role model to do the same, right? There is emphasis and exclusivity for you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is giving, uh, giving us. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fi Rasulillah. Fi, what does fi mean? What does fi mean? In. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will find a good example. Meaning that He will only be the ultimate role model for you when and only when you completely immerse yourself in Him, sallallahu alayhi wa that is when he will be your role model. When and only when you completely immerse yourself in his life, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in studying him, in understanding him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? It's not, uh, you know, you pick up a book and you 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 read about some some individual, you know, and and his his or her accomplishments in life and, and call it a day. No, Rasulullah becomes a part of you. Rasulullah becomes a part of your journey in this world. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Right? Uh, you know that example when people say you gotta put yourself in her shoes, put yourself in his shoes to see, you know, the perspective. You have to put yourself in the shoes of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Walk through his journey. Journey his life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, through his shoes, through that perspective. Only when you're able to do that. That is when you'll truly find an amazing role model for yourself to, to, to really understand Rasulullah And you can't love him until you know him. Right? And like I said uh, when we, in the first session that we had, you know your best friend and you know everything about your best friend. You know what ticks them off. You know what food they like. You know how to get under their skin. You know, you know exactly what emoji to send that's gonna, you know, keep them questioning, you know, did they mean this or did they mean that? You know, everything about them, right? Because, and, 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 and the fact, you know, that you know so much about them causes you to love them more and more and more. Sometimes we even fool ourselves, and that's why we have like a sense of like false, that's one of my tangents, we have a sense of like false attachments, right, to people. Because we fool ourselves in thinking that we actually love them because just because we know them, right? We spent so much time with this, pe with this person, it means that I have to love them. It means that I'm really close to them. So I have to, sp I, because I spent so much time, so, you know, my brain is telling me that I have so much love for this individual. And most of the time, yes, we, we love everybody and we love people, bi'idnillah. But you have to understand that there are people who are not meant to be in your life. There are people who you are just going to take, you know, uh, lessons from. You're going to, you will be, uh, find out, you know, maybe and it'll hit you hard in life, that you will take a lesson from this individual and learn something from that person that they taught you how not to be, just because you spent time with them, right? Now again, just because you spend time with them doesn't mean that you love them or that you have to love them or that they are the best individual for you, or best for your deen, or are going to get you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when you spend time with Rasulullah spend time journeying his life, sallallahu alayhi wa you will come to know that there is nobody greater 
and nobody more worthy of being in your life than him sallallahu alayhi wasallam yes rasulullah has passed away and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says innaka mayyit wa innahum mayyitun that you will die and we will all die and we will all meet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and return to our creator but allah rasulullah is still alive in his his characteristics and who he was sallallahu alayhi wasallam and everything that he taught us right i want you to think that you know and we're going to talk about you know in the end of the seerah the death of rasulullah but that was like the greatest calamity that ever faced the muslims was the death of rasulullah one companion was run, running around saying allahumma khudh basari allahumma khudh basari ya rasulullah or ya allah take my eyesight away because i don't want to you know, relay, I don't want to look at anybody after the death of Rasulullah. Bilal radiallahu anhu couldn't make adhan. Anytime that he would get to Ashadu and Muhammad Rasulullah, he would choke up and he would cry, he couldn't finish his adhan. Right? This was the greatest calamity that Muslims that Muslims faced because they knew everything about Rasulullah. They studied his life inside out. They walked with him, they ate with him, they learned directly from him, and they loved him. When you spend that time with Rasulullah you will come to find that Rasulullah is the most perfect role model for you in this world. And there is the utmost relevance that you will have to Rasulullah you know, uh, when, you, when you study him uh, and study his life. Now, point number two, that was a long point number one, Point number two, uh, we have to understand that there are some terminology that we use. There's some terminologies that we use that get us, uh, you know, confused, right? Like, what's the difference between seerah and sunnah and hadith? And we're going to talk about these things. Studying the seerah versus studying hadith is very different. Okay, when you study the hadith, you are studying facts. You know certain facts about the Prophet. It becomes very technical. It's very beneficial, but it becomes very technical. But when we study the seerah with the components that we've mentioned, we begin to humanize the Prophet. We begin to humanize him. Okay, uh, and wallahi, right now in our society, we are, what we're in need more than anything ever is to humanize Rasulullah Because Rasulullah has become someone that's just a figure, that's just super distant away from us and not relevant whatsoever. We need to be able to humanize him, Sallallahu experience his journey and understand that he was a human he felt pain he went through certain things that we go through right now the common average muslim today when you ask them about rasulullah they don't feel like they have a lot in common to him or sometimes they don't even have the impression again that he's human being they look at him as as some superhero right it really, they, like, just like, just like a little kid would look at Superman, right? Superman is from a different planet, you know, he got bit by a spider, he became, you know, where is he from, Krypton, right? 
Yeah, and he he got he got bit by a spider, and he be, he had these superpowers, and he's somebody that I can never be. I can never be this individual. He's just he's super. Rasulullah, although he's a, a superhuman, right? But he's a human being. The greatest human to ever to walk this face of this earth. We have similarities with Rasulullah. There are common denominators in our lives. Right? He is not this foreign uh, you know, entity or you know, something someone that we cannot relate to. Right? And uh, again, we have to be able to humanize him. Do we have respect for Rasulullah uh, Of course. Do we have reverence for him? Of course. But that shouldn't uh, be so that we distance ourselves from him. When we study his life, when we go through his emotions, when we go through his experiences day by day, right? How he suffered loss. That Rasulullah was injured. He got injured before. Rasulullah had wives. He had family. He had family issues. He had issues with his wives. Right? When we see that and experience that, we're able to relate, oh, maybe if I am not directly going through those situations, you know, you know, oh, they had a they had an argument or his wife was jealous. Oh, I know, you know, Khalti is jealous of her husband and she Absarshu. You know what I mean? You could start relating, you know, uh, certain certain things. You know, with, with, with people around you, with experiences that you've experienced as well, right? And, and, and you begin to bring Rasulullah close to you. We oftentimes get confused, right? Uh, and it becomes a blur to us when we're studying the seerah from hadith perspective only. So we have to talk about the differences between hadith and seerah and sunnah. And hadith is actual, they are actual narrations, traditions from the Prophet ﷺ, right? Uh, what he said, what he did, what he approved of ﷺ, that is what the hadith are, right? When he stayed silent and saw somebody do something in front of him, we take that as uh, like a taqrir, as a, a form of approval of Rasulullah because if it was something wrong, he would have spoke up and said it was wrong. There was nothing that he did وسلم, that was from his whims or desires or fancies. It was all revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that he taught us, even when he stayed silent in a matter, right? And you know, sometimes you're, you know, it's like, a, it's like you know, when you're a kid and you do something wrong, and your dad gives you that look, right? Or your mom gives you that look. Or when it's time for your bedtime, you know, and your dad, oh, you know, when I, was, when I was young, I didn't, my parents never said anything. My dad would just give me a look and I knew it was time for bed, khalas, right? Kais is my neighbor, he used to be my neighbor. I remember all the looks your dad gave you, Kais, as well. Um, our parents give us those, those, those looks without even having to share words and we know what they, what they mean. Right? So it's not unimaginable. When Rasulullah sees something in front of him and he stays silent, if it's wrong, he would have said something. Right? But he approves of it at that moment. All of those experiences in his life, can you how many times did you see something and you just stayed silent? You're like, I don't have any comment to say. Even those experiences in the life of Rasulullah are documented and narrated for us to know what is approved and what is not approved.
in our faith, in our relationship with people and business and with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of those things, right? Uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> the hadith is the hadith is all of uh, all of that those those uh, narrations and those traditions of Rasulullah sallam they're quotations of his life right and oftentimes they become to they be, get very very technical and sometimes hadith is presented without context and that's not a bad thing that's okay right you have a hadith that's very short there's no context when it came down and why it came down no it's it's a clear cut hadith right a saying of Rasulullah sallam do this or don't do that right uh, and there's no context to it it's, But it's a tool It's a resource And the muhaddithun The scholars of hadith, what do they do? They verify And they qualify the hadith For it to be authentic or not The fuqaha, the Islamic jurists The, ex, uh, the experts In the legal system right? They extrapolate And they derive rulings from those hadith Right. So everybody has a part that they play. Based off of this hadith, you know, this hadith can tell, what do they extract rulings? Based off of this hadith, they take this hadith and they say, okay, uh, this is what we can eat and this is what we can't eat. This is what we can wear, this is what we can't wear. This is how to pray, this is how not to pray. What breaks our wudu and what, you know, uh, you know doesn't break our wudu. All of these things, you know, are done by the fuqaha. Every group of scholars, they have their own, they have their own, you know, genre uh, of, of information and, 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 and expertise in a certain field for them to be able to do what they do best, right? We need the hadith, of course. It has its role. But sometimes without the narrative behind, you know, uh, behind the seerah, without the seerah itself, without that narrative, and if we're just studying it from a hadith perspective, it can dehumanize the Prophet Wasallam. And we begin to lose connection with Rasulullah Okay? Sunnah, on the other hand, it's a very flexible term. Right? Based off of the context, there, it comes in different contexts as well. It varies. Where hadith is general, and sunnah is more specific. It includes everything related to Rasulullah existence, everything related to his life Wasallam. It's a part of his sunnah. The seerah is his tradition. The seerah is a part of the sunnah. The seerah is a part of, of the sunnah. Right? And it comes in, in, in different contexts. If we're talking about sunnah from a, the, a theological you know, perspective, the opposite of sunnah is what? Not fard, we'll talk about that. That's more of a, a fiqh perspective. The opposite of, of, of sunnah is bid'ah. What's bid'ah? Innovation, creating something new in religion, something that Rasulullah has has never done before, right? Why do we pray four rak'at for Dhuhr? Why not three? Today, wallah, I want to pray six rak'at. I'm feeling spiritual, Zarma. I want to be closer to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah, I want to pray six rak'at. What's the big deal? No, Rasulullah says, "Sallu kama usalli." Pray just as if you seen me how to pray. When it comes to matters of our faith, okay, understand that, and when I say faith, our worship, hajj, zakah, salah, uh, siyam, all of these things, everything, everything is haram, okay, except what is proven to us by Allah and by Rasulullah 
everything is prohibited except what has been permissible and what has been uh, shown to us to do by Allah and by Rasulullah How we pray is already taught to us by Rasulullah and by Allah How we fast, how we give zakah, how much zakah to give, who's eligible to give zakah, when do we give zakah, when do we perform hajj, how to perform hajj, what is an accepted hajj, what is required, what is mandatory in hajj, all of these things are written and done and said to us uh, and taught to us by Rasulullah It's not based off of what I feel. Wallah, I want to do hajj in this month. I don't want to do hajj in Dhul Hijjah. I want to do hajj in another month that I feel. I want to do hajj in Ramadan, right? You can't. It is done at, it's, at a specific time, in a specific manner, the way that Allah told us and the way that Rasulullah taught us, right? When it comes to matters of our everyday lives, eating, drinking, buying, selling, trading, um, clothing, all of these things, the rule of thumb here is that everything is permissible, everything is okay, except what is proven to be impermissible by Allah and by Rasulullah So I can eat everything except swine pork and gelatin and pork products. I can drink everything except alcohol. Right? So that is the difference when it comes to, you know, our, our uh, ibadat, when it comes to our worship versus when it comes to our, our mu'amalat. So talking about sunnah from a theological perspective, um, the opposite of it is bid'ah, is creating something new in, in the religion that was never shown before when we talk about it from a fiqh perspective a legal perspective right uh, fard and wajib is an obligation that you have this is something you have to do your salah is fard your dhuhr is fard you have to pray dhuhr but then the sunnah before is sunnah it's optional it's extra credit if you want to do it you're going to get rewarded but if you don't do it you will not get punished for it now that's a that's a big statement because when you say something is Halal versus something is haram. Haram means that you, you will be held accountable by the hellfire if you don't repent for this. That's something severe. And in, in, our, time, in our days, you know, and in, in times, and we just throw that around like it's nothing. Everything's haram. People begin to learn the religion where everything is, everything is wrong. Like, what, what can I do, you know, if everything is haram? And that's important that inshallah when you know and we have some parents here but inshallah when you become parents as well and when we become parents as well be it to teach our kids uh islam from a perspective of understand of loving allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first and foremost and not letting them be scared of faith teaching them everything is haram right and that's how uh, a lot of us were taught because our parents were taught that that way and it's not to blame anybody but you know they can't give you what what they don't know or they don't have you know they only give you what they have and that's the way that they were taught so understanding that you know uh, sunnah comes in different contexts here if it comes if we're talking about from a, a, a source perspective uh, it's the counterpart of the quran right rasulullah he said in his final sermon he said i left for you the quran and my sunnah right it is a me, it's a source for us to take as, as proof, as evidence, as 
as a rule, as rules, as guidance, right? Uh, that is what the sunnah is. So obey Allah and His Messenger. You know, to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. Um, you know, uh, this is this is uh, this is something interesting how they all they all kind of uh, connect and it's this like big big circle here. You know, uh, in order to obey Rasulullah sallallahu right? You have to obey his sunnah. You have to follow his sunnah. Not his seerah. You have to follow his sunnah. Right? But in order to understand his sunnah, you need his seerah. And in order to understand the seerah, you need hadith. You see how it's all connected? Right? Uh, and, and it's important to understand that it's not one or the other. It's all of them together. It's all of them together. We can't truly accept Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam if if we don't accept his sunnah, and we can't even understand his sunnah unless we study him, unless we study his seerah, and we can't study his seerah without understanding the hadith that have been narrated about him. So all of these go hand in hand, and all of these go uh, go together. Sunnah has its place, hadith has its place, and seerah has its place, right? And seerah was meant for all demographics of the community. And the main purpose of the seerah, as we said, was what? Was to humanize the Prophet ﷺ. That's why seerah is here. For us to be able to humanize him ﷺ. The third benefit to studying the seerah is that it allows you to extract practical and relevant lessons of the life of Rasulullah Understand how to connect your life with Rasulullah It's a practical guide for you how to live the life of Rasulullah How to live your life through studying him. It's a practical guide. And when we look at how seerah has been studied, uh, you know, in the past, we're, we'll find that oftentimes, you know, Sirah is broken up into the Meccan period and the what? The Medinan period. Mecca and Medina. And when we study, we'll oftentimes find that uh, the Meccan era, it's presented a lot more briefly than the Medinan era. Okay? The Medinan period has been a fascination for Muslim civilization, uh, civilization for over 1400 years. They, yeah, this is... They study the, the Medinan period inside out and extract so many rules and understandings of, of, of how to live today through the Medinan period. But in reality, the Meccan period of the prophethood, how many years was it? Does anybody know? 13 years. And Medina was how many years? 10. 10 years. What's longer, 13 or 10? Very good. Very good. Uh, Mecca was longer, obviously, with 13 years. But when you come to find, you know, the works of, of, of many of the, the scholars of the past, you'll see, and even the works today, you'll see that the, Medina, the, the Meccan period is covered in like 50, 60 pages of a book. And the Medinan period has like 200, 300 pages. Right? Why is this? Well, firstly, factually... There's a lot more narrated about the Medinan period than Meccan period because there were more Muslims in Medina, 
There were more Sahaba, there were more people to document the life of Rasulullah So it makes sense why there would be more narrations, why it would, why it would be, you know, more to talk about in Medina than there is in Mecca, right? The message in Medina was more open. People were spreading Islam more openly. The first three years of the message of Rasulullah was in, was in private. There was no public da'wah. You know, people were afraid. You know, the Prophet ﷺ used to teach people privately in the house of Al-Arqam. Uh, there was a lot of oppression. Anybody that would claim to be Muslim would get beaten up, would get tortured, right? So it was a lot more, you know, quiet during that time. Another fact is Medinan period was more eventful. You have the Battle of Badr, you have the Battle of Uhud, you have the Battle of the Trench, you have uh, Rasulullah traveling to Khaybar, uh, to Banu Salaq, Tabuk, you have the final Hajj, you have the conquering of Mecca, you have all of these things. It's, it's, there was a lot of events that took place in the Medinan period. And another component, which goes back to uh, the distinction between hadith and seerah uh, and sunnah, has, you know, is that hadith has a very different criteria than seerah does, that we have to understand. Hadith criteria is very strict, because the muhaddithun, right, uh, know that the legal experts are going to take important decisions from the hadith. Important decisions like halal and like haram. Where the seerah is life events and it doesn't always have legal implications to 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 you know those events it's morals it's objectives less lessons that we take from rasulullah and sometimes not even that sometimes it's literally just the simple you know emotional consolation that we learn from rasulullah's life right when you know that our prophet cried sallallahu when he lost his son right when he buried his son, when you, when you know that he got choked up, when you know that he had trouble talking to people after that experience that he had, you know, we all take, you know, that as, as, as you know, recognizing the prophet lost family members. He had loss in his life. He felt pain, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When somebody's child dies, they're able to take solace in the fact that Rasulullah went through this. Rasulullah buried his son, buried his kids, all of them, except one, right? When, when, when somebody knows that Rasulullah grew up without a mom, and his mom, he buried his mom, sallallahu He grew up without a father. People who come from broken households, who come from divorced parents, right? Who come from, you know all different situations, they're able to, to take the life of Rasulullah and understand that this is something he went through. This is something that he faced. This is something that he encountered. And if he went through it, I can go through it. Because Rasulullah is my role model. He's human. He's not a superpower. He's not a super being. Right? He is human, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we have a lot about the Meccan period, but the problem occurred, you know, when we, when we started judging everything by the criteria of hadith. Because there's, Rasulullah was, in, he was, you know, you know, spent all pre-prophethood in Mecca, right? Most of his, uh, you know, before he became prophet was in Mecca. When did he become prophet, Rasulullah? How old was he? Forty years old, right? We have a lot 
about the life of Rasulullah prior, before he became a prophet. Okay, but again, we begin we began to judge uh, everything by the criteria of hadith, not understanding that everything has its place. As an ummah, we we ended up filtering a lot of the seerah, which ended up being the Meccan period. Okay. And we, depri we deprived ourselves of an entire area of the uh, era of the life of Rasulullah. We deprived ourselves, right? But Meccan period has a lot of gems, has a lot of insight, how to spread, how to flourish, how to blossom as an individual, as a community. It has a lot of insight in that in that perspective, inshallah, that we will talk about Ta'ala. We're not completely in the Meccan period, yeah, today in, in our lives, right? We don't have to hide, right? in Orland Park in this beautiful masjid that you can see from LaGrange, you know. You don't have to hide. We're not hiding anywhere, right? Okay? Uh, you know, but this is something that, that you know, we're not completely in, but we, we can understand that there's a lot of benefit uh, to take. Now, uh, the authenticity of the sunnah, right? When we're, when we, this is another point that we, we have to discuss. Right? What is what is the role of the prophet within the religion? Again, we're talking about the idea, why we study seerah. We have to understand what is the role of our prophet ﷺ within the religion. Is his life, is his words, is his sunnah, is it authoritative or not? Is it true even or not? Right? A lot of people, and this is a very common issue that we face in the ummah, and we feel to understand that people will come and they're like, you know, they're having this issue right now. Like, okay, I just want to take the Qur'an and I want to read the Qur'an. Who, who's, why do I need to take the life of Rasulullah to know my faith? Khalas, if it's in the Qur'an, it's in the Qur'an. That's it. Well, if you truly understood the Qur'an and read the Qur'an, right, you would understand uh, that uh, when we fail to understand the Qur'an, that's when we begin to neglect Rasulullah and appreciate because we're not truly appreciating the Qur'an. We understand that the Qur'an is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the final word of Allah azza wa right? And Allah azza wa has guaranteed its protection. But on top of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, He tells us what? وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولِ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا That whatever is given to you from Rasulullah take it. And what He ordered you to do, do. What He ordered you to stay away from, stay away from it. That is in the Qur'an. So if you understand the Qur'an to be the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and Allah will preserve that Qur'an, you don't think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will preserve Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and preserve his sunnah sallallahu alayhi wa right? Believing in the Qur'an means believing in the sunnah. Believing in the Qur'an means believing in the sunnah. And people try to attack this issue uh, from an intellectual perspective, from an academic perspective. And yeah, that's valid, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a system in place here, right? Just as the Qur'an has a system, Allah put the Qur'an in the system, right? How do I know how, you know, to recite the Qur'an? Why is it, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ How do I know that that's how you pronounce it and that's how you say it? Because there's a system in, in place that the teacher, that the student heard from the, the teacher and that teacher heard from their teacher and their teacher and that student heard from and so on. Teacher, student, teacher, student, teacher, student. Right? The hadith has the same system that it's that's that's uh, in place. And it's preserved. 
And that, and that is the way that we preserve the hadith as well. The narrators of hadith are the same narrators of the Qur'an. So from an intellectual and academic perspective, you know, that's the response. But the issue here, guys and girls, it's not, uh, it's not purely from that angle. It's primarily a spiritual issue that we have to understand. It's primarily a spiritual problem. We are told to love Rasulullah We're told to love him. Okay? But what makes you want to obey him and what makes you want to study his life, that is the love for Rasulullah But you can't love him if you don't know him, if you don't know who he was, if you don't know how he lived his life sallallahu alaihi wasallam we become uh, or we became so unfamiliar uh, to the prophet sallallahu alaihi that we stopped learning about him altogether because he became this foreign uh, you know figure and we stopped learning about him altogether so the solution is what to learn about him to know him and you won't be able to help the more that you know him you won't help yourself you know except to love him. You will only come to love him وسلم, more and more the more that you that you know about him And you know there was even uh, one of our teachers was, was telling us one time there was a guy who came uh, and he was studying the Quran and very intellectual from an academic perspective and studying morphology and, and, and the grammar and 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 sabab al-nuzul and all of that stuff the reason and, and Tafsir of the Quran, all that, and he came to you know the Sheikh, and he had an issue with with the Sirah or an issue with the Sunnah, right? He said, "Is this you know even true? Is this real, right? Why is it that we have to we have to uh, take this, okay?" And the Sheikh, what did he give him? He gave him a book about Sirah. He's like, take this. He's like, I'm not going to answer your question. Just take this and read the book about Sirah, right? And come back to me when you're done. The Sheikh went back to him actually after like months. He's like, what happened? Do you have any questions about the Sunnah? He's like, no, nope. problem solved. No questions whatsoever. He's like, nothing? He's like, nothing. He's like, you gave me those books. You gave me like two books. I went and bought three more books about the Sirah. And I read all of those books like five times each. And he's like, I just, I love this man. I love him. His love for him has, uh, came from understanding him and knowing him, which allowed him to be able to accept that without any question to follow him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? Sira is the solution, brothers and sisters. Sira is the solution. It's an aid to understanding the Quran. When you, you know, and this is a, like a silly example, but you know, like when you buy something, you know, I don't know, from like Ikea or something, it comes with like an instruction manual. You know how it takes forever to set something up and you need all these screws and things of that nature. It makes it practical, that manual, okay? It helps you understand how this machinery or whatever it is that you're setting up functions and works and, and how to do it. But sometimes you purchase something that is so complex and it requires a little more understanding about you know how to operate this machinery or how to operate this you know uh, this thing that you bought 
right? And an individual has to come out and show you how to set it up and set it up for you and show you how it works and how it's used. That's Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was sent to bring Quran to life. He was placed on this earth sallallahu alayhi wasallam to bring the Quran to life. That's why his wives when they were asked how did he live his life sallallahu alayhi wasallam they said kana khuluquhu al-Quran that he was a walking Quran. He was a walking Quran. Everything that he said, everything that he did he was an embodiment of the Qur'an The scholars even, they said in the earlier generations that they used to, the sunnah was memorized just as the Qur'an was memorized. Just as people would sit down and recite Qur'an and, and memorize Qur'an, they would sit down and talk about the life of Rasulullah and memorize his life. Memorize who he was. And and I don't want to call anybody out because but but we live in a time it's actually sad, subhanAllah. It's sad where the life of Rasulullah became like entertainment. Where we have to ask questions and have jeopardies and ask, oh, what was the name of the wife of Rasulullah or what was his father's name or mother's name? Or good job, you get a you get a gift card because you knew that. This was something that was memorized, that was preserved by the early generations. And today as an ummah, unfortunately, we've become so far from understanding the seerah that that's all it became. It became fun and games. That like if somebody knows the, the name of the mom of Rasulullah they're like, wow, mashallah, he's a sheikh, <laughs> you know, right? And, and it's sad, it's sad. Because how can we truly accept our faith and, and, and live life according to the Qur'an if we can't even, you know, uh, be close and take it from Rasulullah because the Qur'an tells us to take it from Rasulullah right? How can we have that happy life and, and living that life of, uh, of being content if it's not uh, under the umbrella of what Rasulullah taught us, right? Rasulullah he says, Taraktukum uh, I left amongst you two things. And another narration, he says, I left you upon two things. And both of these narrations are very beautiful. Meaning that that uh, you know what did he what did he leave us? That as long as you hold on to these two things, you will not go astray. You will not go down the wrong way. And that is what? The book of Allah and the sunnah of his prophet When you study his life all the way through, right? Uh, you're able to observe the Prophet interacting with individuals. Rasulullah interacted with non-Muslims. He interacted with Muslims. He interacted with women. He interacted with children, with youth. Right? Uh, you know, when you observe this, and this, this is again, we take Rasulullah now as like a like a case study. Right? We're observing everything of his life. Uh, 
And this answers a lot of questions that we have today. A lot of the things that we are dealing with today, our issues today, are already addressed with, with these types of things. Again, we said Rasulullah didn't re receive uh, revelation until he was 40 years old. Do we consider 40 youth today? That's not really, I mean, uh, hopefully nobody's over 40 here. But, you know, we don't really consider youth, uh, you know, at 40 years old. The early Sahaba, most of them, they were young. You know, when we look at Umar ibn Khattab, عنه, we see Umar to be this, you know, iron fist leader, to be this, this uh, older uh, gentleman, right? But we forget that he accepted Islam when he was 27, 28 years old. That's young. That's young. The man who literally, you know, converted half of the city of Medina before Rasulullah even ever stepped foot into Medina is about 18 years old. Mus'ab ibn Umair radiallahu anhu. Issues like educating women in Islam, right? We have mothers, we have sisters, we have aunts, right? We have girl cousins, right? They are just as deserving of being taught the seerah as a man is, right? Much of what we know about the seerah comes from a woman, his wife, radiallahu anha. Right? We have to understand that these issues were discussed. The things that we face today that, you know, all of these isms, right? We face today, we think that these are something completely foreign. No. This was discussed. Rasulullah didn't go through this. No, Rasulullah already taught us. We know all of these things. Right? Uh, the crisis of families, that's a big one. Right? The uh, literally eroding of the foundation of a family in society today, right? Uh, you know, dealing with, now you have, okay, you're, you're dating and we have this idea of an open relationship and, and it's like, you know, why is there even a need for family anymore? Right, where's the, the protection of family? The crisis of, of family? Uh, you know, he was the best family man, sallallahu He was our ultimate teacher, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. All of these issues that we're facing today were discussed and the solution is with the seerah. No single human being's life has ever been documented like the life of Rasulullah Know that. Realize that. There's nobody on this earth that their life was documented like Rasulullah Imam Al-Tirmidhi he has his book of, of Shama'il, the characteristics, or a very detailed description of Rasulullah We know the color of his skin. He was like lightly tanned. He was a median tone, uh, you know, not too white, not too dark uh, complexion. Very broad, welcoming face. His face wasn't too round, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He had a larger forehead, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His eyes, his pupils were nearly black. He had very dark pupils, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In terms of his mannerisms, it was documented that he was always grieving, sallallahu What does that mean? He was always thinking about people. He was always worried about people. There was always something on his mind. What can he do, right? But yet he had a very calm, very serene demeanor. He was always very, you know, 
welcoming and beautiful and, and you felt comforted just being around him وسلم, you felt so welcomed you know he didn't talk unnecessarily وسلم, when he would talk to somebody he would face them you know when he would be in his in a chair he wouldn't look at he would turn his body around and face that individual and talk to them he wouldn't scream across the room you know yo what's up you know across the room as as many of us you know today uh you know that was that wasn't uh, like or you know uh, him for for him to do sallallahu he would introduce himself to people hey how are you what's going on what's your name right get to know them before he would just you know go up and he wouldn't just ask somebody for something or do something or you know he talked to people how he walked how he talked this was all all, all documented how many gray hairs he had in his beard and his and his hair that was even documented he had about like 17 18 right on different narrations can you imagine who's gonna be there like let me count how many gray hairs you have you know everything about his life وسلم, was documented was written for us you know we have to understand that there's this idea of the universality of prophethood of Rasulullah his universality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, Wama arsalnaka illa kafatalinas. That you have been sent for the entirety of mankind. Everybody. Rasulullah told him, he said, Qul, Ya ayuhannas inni Rasulullah ilaykum jami'an. O mankind, I am the messenger of Allah. And I have been sent to all of you guys, everybody. That I have not been sent except as a mercy. And alameen, and, and to keep the conversation short here, is you know, for people, whenever, wherever they ever existed, in all different generations, all different demographics, I have been sent to all of you guys, right? And now a part of his gift and his miracles as described and he said وسلم, that Rasulullah he used to speak with brief, comprehensive, profound words. That's the best way that I could put it. Brief, comprehensive, yet profound. He would say something in two to three words that would take us four to five sentences to say. In, in a very eloquent manner and elaborate. This was a part of his miracle. You know, especially how, how much do we need that now, today, with our attention spans, right? If a TikTok video is, is too long, we, we start scrolling. If it's more than five seconds, you know, we don't even have the, the attention to be able to, to, to watch it all. Imagine how much people took and grasped from Rasulullah and his knowledge and his demeanor. Because Allah gave him a, 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 a miracle, a gift to be able to say something so profoundly, so comprehensively in, in, in just a few words. That was a part of, of his gift, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, for every nation, there was a prophet. For every nation, there was somebody that guided, that guided people, right? His existence, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is an example for 1400 years worth of generations how many that's like 25 plus i don't know generations 
1400 years now the vast majority of the ummah is in a spiritual crisis we're in a crisis of identity and this is important that as long, when we're talking about the seerah we're going to be talking about you know how is this relevant to us what is it that we're facing how can we discuss these things you know and move with these things and benefit and as, a, as an ummah, the mass majority, we're in an identity crisis, a spiritual crisis. We look, you know, into the Qur'an and the early seerah. In the early seerah, we learn a lesson of how to move forward. This is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the seerah teach us. A lesson of how to move forward. Uh, forward. In Surah Yasin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, that you have been sent and the Qur'an was revealed for you, Ya Rasulullah, to warn a people of what their forefathers were not warned about. We're telling you to go and, and warn these people because they didn't know. They weren't warned before. And as a result of them not being warned and them not knowing, they're in a state of heedlessness. They could care less. They don't care. Because they were not warned. Meaning that you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to work diligently about you know, the correct course of action, how to take being in a spiritual crisis, being in a crisis of identity. Right? Of who you are. How you can implement Islam in, in this century today, in your generation today with the problems that you're facing today. This is, this is the seerah. This is understanding the seerah, right? Uh, and an interesting thing to understand as well in regards of how the Qur'an was revealed is that in the beginning, the Qur'an was just establishing, you know, basics. It was establishing identity. There was not rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was being sent down. The rules to, you know, the prohibition of alcohol and khamr was didn't come down till way later, right? Allah subhanahu wa taala, the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa taala was for him to be able to let people know who Allah azza wa was, to love Allah subhanahu wa taala. Okay, and and again, the two terms that are used by the scholars here, you know, in understanding is ta'lim and tarbiya. Ta'lim is a, depth, a deep, uh, you know, detailed description, understanding. Where tarbiyah is bringing people up to par, where they're ready to be educated, where they're ready to learn. We can't have that ta'lim without having that tarbiyah first. Okay, bringing people up to, to par. Understanding, you know, you know, and there's two tools of tarbiyah. That we have to understand. Number one is understanding, having a basic understanding of the Quran. You're not going to go and study Quran, deep understanding and morphology of Quran and, and reasons of, of revelation and, 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 and extracting rulings and legal issues and matters of the Quran. You know, and you're not going to tell a person that they need to go and study that and this person doesn't even fast in Ramadan. Or somebody, you know, is a drug dealer on the streets and just coming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Or somebody, again, who's, who's, you know, fast some days of Ramadan and then they, they break their fast and then they want to repent. And to that person, you want to tell them that Allah cares about them. 
that Allah loves them, that Allah will forgive them, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has something better in store for them. Why it's important for you to be close to Allah, why you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your life. You're not going to tell that person, again, go study this deep understanding of the Qur'an. No, a basic understanding of the Qur'an. And tool number two is the seerah. Having a practical role model, a human being that won't disappoint you. Anybody that you put in your lives, and mark my words, anytime that you have more love for something or someone than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will test you with that individual. Except Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Because Rasulullah sallam, the more love that you have for him sallallahu alayhi wa you will not be disappointed. Maybe your father wasn't the best father. Maybe your mother wasn't the best mother. Or your friend wasn't the best friend. Everybody has faults. Everybody has issues. They can only give you what they, can, what they know how to give. Right? We don't blame them in the end of the day. But when we put all of our love and our hope in that individual giving us happiness in life, giving us, allowing us to be content, allowing us to move forward in life, we will be disappointed. But when you give that energy and that love to Rasulullah you will come to learn that the more that you love Rasulullah the more that you, you know, are with Rasulullah and learn about him, the more content you will be. And you will never be disappointed. Right? You know, uh, the life of Rasulullah itself was a miracle. His life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was a miracle. I want you to, Rasulullah he told his companions, he said, Uktubu anni kul shay'. Everything about me, write it down. Imagine I, I assigned a person, you know, each person has a buddy, and that buddy is going to live with you for one week. Everything that you do, they're going to write it down. Everything that you eat, everything that you say, every text that you send, Every conversation that you have, what you wear, if you snore at night, right? Everything is written down. How many people, people will be, you know, accepting of something like that? Nobody. But Rasulullah had no issue telling all of his friends, everybody. He said, write everything about me down. Uktubu anni kul shay. Everything you see, everything you hear, every experience that you have, how I am in military, how I am with my family, how I am with kids, how I am with my wives, all of these things, write them down, document them, benefit from them, and allow the generations after you to benefit from. Because Rasulullah know him himself, everything that he was preserved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was preserved by Allah. He had the rida, the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In, in all aspects of his life, right? That's something that is that's super profound and super beautiful that we have, to, we have to really understand. We are not studying the life of any ordinary individual. This is the life of our Prophet, the one that Allah Azza wa Jal chose, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to be a mercy to everybody, to all of mankind. For us, 1400 years worth of generations to take our Islam from. From the very first Sahaba 
to us today in 2023, we still study the life of Rasulullah in that exact manner. Understand that nobody's life is documented like his life. All these experiences that we have that we will journey as we embark on this journey together, it's going to be something very, very beautiful. The scholars say that he is the crowning jewel of humanity. He was named Ahmad. He was named Muhammad. There was no human praised like him. He was referred to as Al-Mustafa, the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen above and beyond all of creation, all of humanity. He was Abu Al-Qasim, right? He was Abdullah, the perfect slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was not only a Nabi, he was a Rasul. He was not only a prophet, he was a messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam as well. Let us understand that. Let us really feel that and live that as we journey his life ta'ala. And that being said, we will end here. And uh, we will continue, inshallah, when we meet next. I'm not sure what date it is. December 2nd, inshallah. So there is some, quite some time, but we will meet next ta'ala, where we will dive into the life of Rasulullah sallallahu Ask Allah Azza wa Jal uh, to forgive us ta'ala, and to allow the means of us studying his life to be a means of our satisfaction, of our happiness, of our steadfastness in this life and in the next. Allahumma ja'al ijtima'na hadha ijtima'an marhuma wa ja'al tafarruqna min ba'di tafarruqan ma'asuma. Allahumma inna nas'aluka ya arhamar rahimin bi asma'ika al-husna wa sifatika al-ula an takuna ma'a ikhwanina al-mustadha'afina fi Gaza wa fi Filistin. Allahumma kun ma'ahum wa la takun alayhim. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be with our brothers and sisters in Palestine. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow uh, our hearts to be open and to have love and nothing but love for Rasulullah sallallahu And through loving him, through knowing him, for us to, uh, to be better Muslims, to have better relationships with ourselves, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with those around us, bi'idhnillah, and ultimately with society at large. Hada wallahu a'lam. We will see you inshallah December 2nd. Uh, Qais has some announcements.